0: With You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of the sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Hello everyone, I'm Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad with Money. And guess who's bad with money? City budgets. Um, hello, so we, oh man, what a ride this uh, season has been on So first of all, we had our original plan of how this show was going to go And then COVID happened, and then we covered a bunch of stuff about COVID And now, uh, things have shifted again And um, a man named George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis by police. Uh, He's a black man. He was supposedly passing a bad $20 bill. Turns out he wasn't. The cops uh, uh, kneed on his neck for, or kneeled on his neck with their knee for uh, about nine minutes and he uh, died and they killed him. And this brought up uh, a ton more stuff, obviously in terms of the police killing black people, literally all the time. And um, and so now protests have erupted all over the U.S., which is incredible. Um, and people are tired of it and people are tired of the police being militarized and people are tired of uh, uh, them having impunity to murder people and not be uh, held accountable. And so a revolution is afoot, um, which is incredible. And a big part of it is uh, defunding the police. Basically, I want to talk about the amount of money the police get in city budgets. So I live in Los Angeles, and our mayor, Mayor Eric Garcetti, proposed allocating over 50% of the city budget to the police. 50%. And that is lunacy. That includes, obviously, pensions and other long-term investments. But even so, the LAPD's operating budget is still going to be around 1.8 billion or was going to be around 1.8 billion billion. And you know what's not getting that kind of money? Public works, recreation, libraries. Uh you know, just anything that makes the city nice. So, um uh recently, the LA City Council announced that they were going to um reinvest 150 million dollars from the LAPD budget to communities of color, so that's great. Uh but uh, even after the $150 million reduction to the LAPD budget, it is still miles ahead of anything else that we invest money in in this city, and um, this is a thing that is happening, uh, that is the case in lots of cities. I'm just going to use Los Angeles because that's where I live. So, yes, there was a victory in terms of all the protests uh, in so much as uh, we got some of the money allocated away from the LAPD, but um not enough. And so now there's something called the People's Budget which is getting a lot more attention. It's been around for forever, but basically uh or not for forever, but for a while. But basically, it's uh people'sbudgetla.com and it's a reimagining of the Los Angeles City Budget for 2020 to 2021 and the reallocation was based on uh talking to members of the community, talking to about 10,000 people, right? And um so from that, they built out the people's budget and what the priorities would be uh, in terms of spending money if the people had a say. And so a huge chunk, 44%, would go towards universal aid and crisis management. And um, universal aid and crisis management supports the basic needs of Angelinos like housing, food, health care, economic assistance, and emergency relief. And a huge chunk of that is uh, a focus on housing. And uh, I mean, I don't have to tell you that, a ton of data and statistics have shown that long-term housing and rental support and emergency housing uh, have a huge impact on crime rates and that a lot of times people just trying to survive are the ones who are committing nonviolent crimes and that being able to fight homelessness actually uh, does more for a city than arresting everybody. Um, other things on the budget include the built environment, so public transportation, libraries, parks, um, and then reimagined community safety, uh, which is community-led safety models, including investing in mental health and harm reduction approaches. Uh, and then law enforcement gets um, a smaller amount in terms of uh, 5.72%. So basically, it's imagining a a different world in which we are not reactive in terms of, uh, the safety and health of our community, but rather proactive. Um, and we're going to get into that with our interview, uh, with reporter Alexis Olivier Ray, who has been on, on the scene and on the streets, uh, during the protests in Los Angeles. Um, he covers housing and, um, so he knows a lot about, uh, the people's budget reallocation to housing and what that would do and, and how much that would help people. Um, And then also he's been covering the protests as a black journalist. And so I wanted to boost the voice of a black journalist who's been who's been on the ground. And um, basically, look. What we spend money on in our city says a lot about our priorities. And if our priorities are to protect and serve, quote unquote, uh, as police departments say, um, it's not being met. It's not happening. And obviously, look, this is this is a queer socialist leaning podcast. So let me just say that there there are a bunch of things going on in terms of defunding the police. There's also a movement towards um, abolishing the police, and I tend to be on the side of the abolishing the police um, end of it all. Uh, shock of all shocks, I'm a, I'm I have a more radical approach. Um, but basically, one thing that you can look at is. It's uh, it's by MPD 150, um, which you can find on Instagram, MPD underscore 150. Um, and they have a zine called Building a Police-Free Future, uh, Frequently Asked Questions. And you can go and look at that. And basically, it answers all of your questions about how to have a police-free f- uh, future. Um, and I know that that seems wild. But at a certain point, abolishing slavery also seemed wild. And right now, the police are a white supremacist gang that we give a lot of money to, and um, and allow them to escalate situations and be violent. And I just think if you do research, you can understand that. <sighs> All right, let's get into it. I'm going to take us. I'm going to take us on a detour. So I have. I'm Jewish, and we've played. Um, audio on this show from my grandmother who who passed away a couple years ago who's a holocaust survivor and her father was in the french resistance um and he uh did a lot of work against the ss and uh the gestapo which we tend to think of nazis as like nazis but what they actually were was a a government sanctioned state police You know, the Gestapo and the SS were completely legal. They were, uh, uh, they targeted a minority population. uh, And the parallels are completely there. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, many cities have been imposing curfews. um, And in terms of of curfews, I mean, my grandmother talked about there were curfews. um, She was in Paris and there were curfews on on the city of Paris and they could go out and if you were breaking curfew, they could arrest you. And the curfew was completely arbitrary. Uh, And, you know, I've said this on my social media. Like, my grandfather... um, did what would arguably be illegal, quote-unquote, breaking the law, um, going against the SS, um, like, destroying, quote-unquote, property, right? That, like, you know, now people are like, they're destroying property. But, like, if I told you all of this about my grandfather, and I, and I told you that they arrested my grandmother as a—or my great-grandfather, and they arrested my grandmother, his teenage daughter, as— um retaliation for what he uh what he was doing and put her in a a Nazi jail, would you say, well, he shouldn't have been breaking the law? No. You would be like, I want to see the movie of this. This is incredible. So I urge you, I really, really urge you, if you have ever been like, this is what I would have done during, you know, Nazis, uh, this is what I would have done during the Civil Rights Movement, whatever. Like, a lot of that stuff, guys, was deemed illegal. And just because something's illegal doesn't mean that it is wrong. And just because, you know, laws have been put into place doesn't mean that they're right. And I think we have an ability to see that with hindsight. And we are not seeing – and if you're not seeing the parallels to right now, I don't know how to help you. But, I, I mean, I do know how to help you read. Read a lot of stuff. Um, On my Instagram, um, at Gabby Road, I've posted – um, more stuff of my grandfather and the, and the French resistance and the Polish resistance. Um, but I just think like, you, we just need, we just need to be looking at what is actually happening and you can see videos on Twitter and you can, you know, obviously the mainstream media is not covering things, um, in a way that, that, Uh, is showing the truth in any way. And I get into that with um, with Alexis Olivier, who is a member of the press. And uh, we do talk about um, journalism and protests, uh, which is uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it before. I did go to journalism school. I just just kidding. I mention it all the time. Basically, I have a lot of feelings, um, and so I get into those with um, Alexis Olivier, and so we're going to throw to that interview and talk about the people's budget and also talk about, like, where that money could be better spent, um, and also, like, I just unequivocally want to say that this show is um, Black Lives Matter, and this show is, uh, I, I mean, it's my show. I could say it. Uh, I, I agree with defunding the police. I also lean more towards abolishing the police. Uh, But let's get into um, what's going on right now as of June 5th, 2020 with um, journalist Alexis Olivier Ray. So for my Bad With Money listeners, can you tell them uh, who you are and what you do and where you work?
1: Sure. My name is Alexis Olivier Ray. I am a freelance multimedia journalist uh, focusing on... Housing and justice, uh, and I'm a regular contributor with lataco.com, which is a local news organization.
0: Uh, and so, can you just for background, and let's say someone is living under a rock, uh, can you give a gist of the movement and what's happening now, what you're out reporting on?
1: Sure. So, um, of course, everybody knows what happened in Minneapolis, George Floyd. Um, This is about that, but it is also tied to a more local issue, um, which is the city's budget. Uh, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles is demanding that uh, the mayor and city officials defund the Los Angeles Police Department. The protests that you're seeing outside, um, yes, they're about justice and peace and lots of other things, but uh, the central issue for Black Lives Matter um, is the funding of the LAPD.
0: Right. So so obviously, police brutality is a huge part of it. Um, there's been uh, tons of videos of uh, police hitting people with batons, tear gassing, shoving people. Um, George Floyd, uh, I don't know, for posterity, in case someone's listening to this, in the year 2050, uh, George Floyd is a black man who was, uh, a, they thought he was passing a, a bad $20 bill. Turns out he wasn't. Uh, The police in Minneapolis stood on his neck for nine minutes and killed him. Um, And then there's been, you know, tons of other people, Tony McDade in um, Tallahassee and Breonna Taylor and tons of other black people who've been killed by police. And everyone has uh, had enough of that. And so also in Los Angeles specifically, the mayor wanted to give the LAPD a $1.8 billion operating budget, a massive, massive chunk of the city budget. And then when protesters kind of pushed back outside his house last week, like protesting outside his house, the mayor said he's going to reallocate up to 150 million of those funds to give to communities of color. So, what like is that is that enough? What are people saying? Cuz I've seen, you know, people like laud it and I've also seen people be like fuck that.
1: Yeah, well, um <laughs> Um, it's a step in the right direction, I guess you could say, but Black Lives Matter and um, the people behind the people's budget, their their version, their revision of the mayor's budget, only allocated, I think, about 6% for police.
0: Can you tell us what the, the people's budget is?
1: So the people's budget is um, a participatory budget. Uh, t- over 10,000 people participated in it. Including, I believe, over a thousand Angelinos, and um, um, organizers asked the the community, the people, um, what they're looking for, what services that they're looking for, um, and um, they basically revised the mayor's budget to put more into things like public health, uh, into our environment, and to uh, decrease the funding of the LAPD.
0: I mean, yeah. So it says uh, universal aid and crisis management would get 44% of the budget built environment, which is like parks and, um, you know, infrastructure, uh, libraries, all these lovely things would get 25%. Uh, Reimagined community safety would get 24%, um, which I'm super interested in is is reimagined community safety. And then law enforcement and policing would get 5%. And So I think like people have this, they they have this strange idea of defunding the police in the sense of like, I guess they, I guess they don't know what all that money goes to, but they feel like, oh, the more money we give the police, the safer we are. But what, what is that money usually going to? I mean, to me, it's like, what is it that like riot gear? Like what's, what is this? Why is this so much money? What is this paying for?
1: (sighs) yeah i mean it's interesting. It's tough to uh to kind of audit the l a p d but um I find it really interesting that now, as people are protesting to try and defund the l a p d we're seeing hundreds i mean thousands of l a p d officers arresting people and um you know uh, engaging with these protesters um and you you really have to wonder how much is that costing. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the LAPD has an immense amount of funding. I mean, for me in some ways it is unclear where, where a lot of that money goes to.
0: Yeah. They were talking about it going to, to bonuses. And then, you know, I think like a lot of it is, is that sort of riot gear, which, you know, you see all of these, um, graphs that show like how much one, uh, officers riot gear could pay for, you know, 55, PPEs for doctors fighting covid who don't have those sort of resources. Um, and it's just like it, it begs the question of this, like militarized police. I mean, so you're out there uh, at the protest covering them. Like, what are you what are you seeing out? Like, what are what's describe like what you're seeing out there and what um, the cops are looking like and what's what's happening when you're out there?
1: So yeah, I've been out um, going out pretty much every day for about a week now. And um, the first day I went out was actually one of the most violent days that I, that I saw. Um, it started off as a peaceful and well-organized protest at Pan Pacific Park, organized by Black Lives Matter, and it remained peaceful up until the LAPD escalated things and brought in a number of LAPD officers. Um, from there, things just escalated further and uh, it was honestly one of the scariest days of my life uh, trying to cover it as a journalist just because the police were essentially shooting at random into crowds, people were getting hit with batons, somebody got hit at point-blank range with I believe a rubber bullet or um, um, a beanbag round, I saw a car drive through a crowd of people, hundreds of people and the police line just somebody that wanted to, to, to pass through and, and wasn't able to because of the size of the crowd and decided to drive through instead. So I, I saw a lot of violence that day. Things have fortunately um, de-escalated, I think, um, as the week has progressed, and uh, especially since that they, they lifted that curfew. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to a number of police officers who have um, actually supported protests and you know, told me that they, they remain peaceful. But in general, what I've seen are peaceful protests um, that escalate into violence, usually because of the police's response to these protests.
0: I mean, I think when you show up to a peaceful protest wearing riot gear and holding <laughs> uh, guns that shoot rubber bullets and shooting at uh, journalists, uh, you know what? What are you expecting the response to be? And that's kind of the thing. Is like, I think we've given so much money to like militarize the cops. Um, And, and like, you know, there's not really, I mean, we're giving them sort of toys to play with. um, And there's not really like any training or anything, anything like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting to watch them, uh, uh, you know, watch them operate um, because they're, uh, yeah, they are being militarized. You know, they're doing these formations, and at times it looks like they don't even know what they're doing. You know, one person will step out of line, and the you know supervisor will have to come and turn them around. Um, <laughs> it's just you know, it's it's almost it's almost laughable at that point.
0: We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. and we're back. So there's there's certain people that are saying, you know, um defund the police and then there's certain people that are saying abolish the police. So for de- for defunding, can you explain because I think people don't understand like what that means to defund the police and they feel as though it's somehow going to make them less safe or something. I I have been looking at a lot of stuff from MPD 150 but um what's what's the alternatives? Like what are people talking about in terms of for people's budget like alternatives?
1: So the people's budget looks to um reimagine um, community safety. And uh, I mean even that word, the choice of words I think is really important to know, community safety rather than policing. You know, we do need to keep the community safe in some way. Um but we don't necessarily need to do that with violence, and it doesn't necessarily need to be led by the police. So, um, yeah, reimagining community safety is, um, is what the people's budget is, is kind of pushing for.
0: So, obviously, the biggest spending area I'm seeing is universal aid and crisis management. And so that in this document says... Universal aid and crisis management funding category supports the basic needs of Angelenos like housing, food, healthcare, economic assistance and emergency relief. And there's this idea that if we provide all of these things, obviously crime would go down. And, um, you know, I I have read the article about the NYPD going on strike and how crime actually went down. And I think like it's sort of this idea of like aggressive policing, you know, giving people uh, going out and like giving arresting people and giving people citations and um, instead of getting to the root of the problem in terms of like funding for low t- long-term housing um, you know food assistance, support for people seeking work, public health care, youth development all of this kind of stuff what when you talk to the the police like when you interview them what what is the like like what do they think is going on basically? <laughs>
1: Um, It it, it really depends. Um, I I would say one of the things that the department struggles with at times is communication, and that's really uh, like not a good thing when you're dealing with hundreds of people. Um, You know, sometimes they'll speak to me because I'm a journalist, um, but I, I witnessed a lot of protesters and people trying to have, you know, genuine connection and interactions with LAPD officers, and they were just you know, talking to a brick wall, just no interaction or emotion. Um, So, I mean, I think communication, having better communication and, um, you know, relationships with the community is is something that uh, the people's budget is pushing for.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, so here they're talking about like, basically investing back into the community in terms of mental health and wellness, like public health care, housing security, and then Divesting from, ugh, parking enforcement, <laughs> uh, policing, like all this kind of. I mean, is it just like? I mean, you know, obviously all of this started with, um, with calling for an end to police brutality, and um, and now obviously they they focus more on you know defunding. I mean, do you think Do you think it's, like, working based on what you've seen? Like, are, do you think, like, stuff is, as of right now, let's say it's, like, June 5th. Like, where are we at in terms of, like, the movement and, and if things changing?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, a, a few things, a few significant things have happened. Um, we've seen um, the curfew order be uh, being lifted. Mm-hmm. So there's no longer a curfew in Los Angeles. City of Los Angeles or the county now. And that was the direct result of a lawsuit actually filed by the ACLU and Black Lives Matter um, challenging the constitutionality of the curfews. And uh, we saw very quickly the mayor um, and the county announced that they were not going to enforce curfews. Uh, last night was the first night that uh, the curfews weren't enforced. And um, I spoke to some people that are out last night. They said that police weren't making any arrests and that they were free to protest uh, pretty much as late as they want into the night. Um, so that's one thing that we saw. We also saw, as you mentioned earlier, the the mayor uh, announced that they're going to um, take away some funding from the LAPD mm-hmm. and, um, and invest more money into communities of color. Um, another thing to note about the budget is it's fluid, it, it can change and evolve. Um, there are a number of committees uh, in the city council that have the authority to to amend the budget, um, so we could see further changes from here. But um, I think we're just getting started. I don't think anybody is uh, calling any victories yet. Can you
0: explain a little bit the the curfew and what and how that was leading more towards like to more arrests, which is uh, which to me seemed like useless arrests. <laughs> Just in case you know someone's listening to this again in like 2050, and it's like, what happened?
1: <laughs> sure, yeah. The curfew started after uh, I believe Saturday, after I believe Saturday, May 31st. That was uh, the protest that I was speaking about earlier uh, around Pan Pacific Park in the Grove. They issued a curfew, and um, they had a curfew for uh, for several nights where. Um, that varied between 5 all the way up to 10 p.m. So anybody that was on the street um, after that curfew was subject to arrest. But what we were seeing on the streets is protesters being targeted while, in some cases, residents from the neighborhood would literally film people being arrested. Some people were getting in in trouble for for breaking curfew. Other people weren't. And in in, in just a few days, thousands of people were arrested sometimes they were cited with stuff sometimes they weren't um and um so uh, we finally were able to uh challenge uh challenge the curfews and and um, they were quickly lifted
0: so um you know we've seen just because uh, I, I went to school for journalism and and this show is somewhat journalism, and I feel a, quite an affinity for journalists. Um, you know, we saw the the New York Times ran uh, an op ed by Tom Cotton. Uh, talking about sending in the troops and 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 being like, yeah, we should have the military uh, against the American people, the Insurrection Act and stuff, uh, which uh, is patently fascist and insane. But what's your I mean, because you you keep you know, you're a black man. You're talking about um, going out there. You're also a reporter. Um, do you, are, are you sort of seeing like a blurring or are you like, well, as a journalist, like I, my job, cause I believe like as a journalist, your job is to, to be political and advocate and stuff. So how are you going out there? Like in, in, in some senses, in both ways.
1: I mean, when I'm out covering things like this, I, I'm, I'm always covering it as a journalist. Um, so I'm not there as a protester but it, it is, um, you know, it's interesting for me to cover something like this um, as a black man. And um, something happened on Saturday that did kind of draw me into uh, a protest in some ways. I was documenting an interaction between a protester and the LAPD officer. And the LAPD officer turned to me and jabbed me in the stomach with a baton and sent me flying into a crowd and because I was working there as a journalist you know I I really couldn't say or do much about it I just had to kind of bite my tongue get back up uh you know make sure I was okay and keep working so that was an interesting experience for me to have um you know of course being hit it hurts but in some ways the more difficult thing was just not really feeling like I could say something in that moment, um, but luckily, I can say something uh, with my work and through my work. So I think I was telling somebody the other day, I think journalism is kind of transitioning into a time where journalists can have more opinions, and um, you know they can their point of view can, can be heard in a in a way that uh, I think journalists uh, tried to avoid previously.
0: I mean, it's hard to avoid like when one opinion is uh, uh, hurt people and one opinion is perhaps we should not hurt people, <laughs> um, you know, and and also I think like, you know, it's the importance of like black journalists being out there and covering it. For instance, like our mutual friend Cerise Castle, who works for KCRW and who was shot by a rubber bullet. Um so what's the, what's the larger conversation across the country in terms of budgets? I know in New York, like 40 city council candidates are calling for a $1 billion cut to the NYPD's $6 billion budget. Um, so, and then, you know, in cities like Minneapolis, Dallas, Philadelphia, Nashville, similar movements are gaining traction. So is this like, is this thing happened in Minneapolis and then it, 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 it kind of came everywhere. I mean, is this sort of budget stuff a, a thing that is just like all police departments are super uh, like given too much money and also not enough? Um, they're expected to do all of these things that they're not trained for and they're expected to to handle all these situations that they're not they're not like equipped to handle. Is this a thing that's happening all across the country? This defunding idea?
1: Correct. Yeah, this has turned into a national movement. Um, you're seeing city councils, you know, consider essentially the same thing that Los Angeles is considering, which is to revise the budget and to defund the LAPD, uh, or at least take some funding away from them, uh, as you mentioned, in Minneapolis and uh, New York. Um, so these conversations are going on all over the country. And, um, you know, they look a little bit different in each, in each, uh, each part of the country, too. S- some city councils are, are pushing a little bit harder than others. Um, but, yeah, it really shows how this is a systemic issue. And, you know, it's not just the, a few bad apples like um, a lot of uh, police departments like to suggest.
0: What is it? What, which places are pushing further? Or what does it look like in other places?
1: I heard that um, um, I believe in Minneapolis. Um, they have more support. Um, I, I believe there's a number of city council members who were um, proposing just some more uh, like radical changes to to the budget and uh, to the funding of the of the police department there. I, I saw somebody on Twitter kind of um, you know trying to imagine our city council. Um, doing something similar because they've been, um, I mean, up until recently, they've been um, pretty quiet about this idea of a uh, people's budget and embracing the people's budget. Um, they they weren't supportive of it initially. And this is something that the movement that has been growing um, here in Los Angeles for, for a couple months now.
0: What, they weren't initially listening to it?
1: No, um, it didn't. Uh, it didn't get much attention at first, and um, now we are starting to see some city council members um, speak out against, um, or speak in favor of, of limiting the funding of the LAPD, but not, um, you know, not to the level that the people's budget is demanding. Uh, the changes that the people's budget and and other movements, uh, like the service is not sweet coalition, um, they're proposing changes that could be made immediately and, um, you know, can be enacted quickly. These aren't changes that, you know, need to take months and months and months and years to make happen. These are things that can happen that city officials have the power to do um, essentially immediately and choose not to.
0: Yeah, I know there's meetings coming up um, in June in Los Angeles, and I think people listening could look into their cities, but I know that there's meetings coming up where they're encouraging people to go and um, talk about uh, uh, defunding the LAPD and and to try to get the fluidity of the budget to actually more resemble the people's budget. Um, So look those up in your city. Um, So has there been a response from the LAPD about the mayor's declaration that he'll decrease the budget?
1: There has been a strong response from uh, the the police union that represents the LAPD. Uh, they've been um, very unhappy about the idea of a people's budget and um, pushing back at the mayor to to support the police more and you know to cancel those those cuts that he that he's proposing to make.
0: What did the union do? They came out with like a a letter being like, "Hey, we don't like this." did they say what they needed the money for?
1: Correct. they did come out with a statement or I believe multiple statements at this point um, just saying that um, that they that they, the mayor is basically throwing them under the bus um, to today I believe uh, they called on Chief Moore uh, to request. Uh, an emergency uh, crisis response team to City Hall, um, because uh, according to them, the mayor is lost his damn mind. Oh, <laughs> so they're they're very they're very angry and upset, and uh, they feel like you know uh, Mayor Garcetti is abandoning them.
0: So we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back with Lexis Olivier Ray. And we're back. Um, so can I ask, as someone who's out there, so obviously, you know, people have been talking about um, looting and property destruction, which I can't even, like, like, obviously here at Bed With Money, let me just say, like, property can be replaced. People cannot. A lot of these places that are getting destroyed are uh, big corporations that, believe me, have insurance and also, like, don't need the average person's help cleaning them up. There's also a huge distinction between people taking advantage of a legitimate movement and, um, and you know, causing destruction. And uh, also, you know, I mean, I don't want to speak for, for Alexis Olivier, but uh, we've seen video of uh, cops leaving bricks out or putting cars out and trying to uh, goad people into destruction so that they can uh, use brutality and, ar- and arrest people. Um, but um, what have you seen in terms of like, who, who's doing the destruction or, or looting or, and also like part of me is like, who gives a shit? Uh, but, you, but like what, you know, what kind of stuff are, are you seeing there? And also I think, let me also just say that the news media, um, this is a, this is a report coming in from my mother in Florida who watches the news, but is a uh, very liberal and very leftist and very on the side of black lives matter. But she says that the, the news is only really showing, um, protesters as being destructive. So like what kind of stuff are you seeing in that regard?
1: So what I've seen in terms of the process that I've been at is they they almost always start off peacefully and and well organized. But it's important to to remember that um you know there's there's lots of different parts to protest and it's not just this one um you know this one mass of people. So I've I've noticed that um, as police presence um, escalates um, so does the violence and um, you know doing graffiti and stuff like that i have seen that during protests but as far as looting like intentionally damaging businesses and stuff like that i haven't seen it Um, i haven't seen it at organized protests at, at things that are sanctioned by black lives matter la i haven't seen um, that sort of looting and, and uh, violence that is being portrayed uh, in the media.
0: And also, I I want to say that like, it, it's not, um, it's not comparable to uh, people being killed. And if you're listening to this and you're like, they're destroying property, I would, I would encourage you to also think about um, they're killing people. <laughs> uh, so, is there any evidence that decreasing a police budget will result in in less police brutality? I I think anecdotally I I think that that's obvious, but can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so um, there's uh, some misconceptions about um, you know funding the police. Mayor Garcetti even said himself that without you know citing any sources or anything like that, that uh, he believed that or he thought that. Um, taking away funding from LHPD would actually cause more problems, which is flat out incorrect. Um, as you said, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that defunding police will actually lead to less crime, and less violence.
0: Yeah, because I think they're, they're going into like communities of color, specifically black communities and like looking for, things to to, you know, like things that are nonviolent crimes or things that are um like they're just kind of looking looking to engage in ways that like don't serve anybody's mental health, don't serve anybody's community. Like, I think there's there's a misunderstanding of like what the police do. You know, I mean, there's no reason that these people need riot gear like it's just very i think even personally when you talk about like escalation right like if i'm somewhere and i see a line of militarized police that even their presence is it heightens the situation rather than just like you know people out protesting
1: yeah a lot of times i mean there's you know hundreds of officers mostly just standing around and at times um, you know, pointing their non-lethal weapons at people that are maybe holding a water bottle or something. Um, and uh, they're doing this while protesters are, are kneeling or are sitting. And, um, and, and people are actively trying to de-escalate situations and, you know, defuse things between protesters and, and, and police that they feel like might escalate. Um, so the, their response is just unnecessary in, in many cases.
0: And so expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and again, so expensive. Uh, another thing is the helicopters um, that just circle around protesters, uh, interfere with speeches and, and, and things like that. Those helicopters cost an insane amount of money. I mean, just by the hour, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars per hour um, to, to just circle around and, and um, you know, surveil people.
0: Um, And that's sort of the the basis of, you know, asking all of these people, hence the people's budget, uh, what they would actually prefer the money go into. Um, And in your I mean, you you write a lot about housing, correct?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: So if if a reallocation of this. Money would go towards, like it says in universal aid and crisis management in the document, towards long-term housing, renter support, emergency housing. Um, how how would a reallocation of these funds help the problems that you see in your reporting?
1: So it's interesting. Um, the 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 city a few years ago voted to um, devote a billion dollars, a little over a billion dollars, to build permanent supportive housing over ten years and um you know by comparison the lapd gets over a billion dollars each year um so the people's budget wants to allocate more money towards housing more money towards permanent supportive housing shared housing temporary shelters things to get people off the sidewalks and uh, put a roof over their heads and um, the city definitely doesn't have enough housing they admit that they don't have enough housing they admit that Building housing is expensive and it's a long process uh, and that they need more resources. So, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for them, according to the people's budget, uh, to do that and to have more resources to get people off the streets.
0: What kind of problems do you encounter? within housing the most in terms of your reporting that you are, I mean, I imagine it's frustrating to be like, if they just had the money, they could fix X, Y, Z, like what kind of stuff could, could be better?
1: Yeah. I mean, they could have more money, but there's also just, um, there's a, a number of uh, properties that are vacant, vacant now, uh, vacant properties and vacant motels uh, that organizers feel that they could use to either temporarily house people um, or permanently house people. There's thousands of vacant lots. Um, so it's a lot of frustration because organizers and community members have offered a ton of solutions. Uh, like I said, things that they can enact immediately, you know, services, sanitation services, bathrooms, um, sharps containers things like that. Um, And the city has um, been very slow to adopt those ideas.
0: And I think like, I imagine um, or I've read a bunch of stuff that housing and being housing secure uh, would drop crime significantly in terms of uh, like people on the street and, and uh, like crime would um, go down hugely if, if a lot more people had Uh, long term housing and secure housing. And um, so I I do see like, you know, a a world in which the the reallocation of this money could make crime go down significantly, which obviously would also make police brutality go down significantly. Um, And so like what other kinds of things could could be enacted sort of immediately that you've seen in, in your reporting?
1: Um, well, like I said, uh, the services, not sweeps coalition, they made a big push uh, to bring services um, and not sweeps.
0: <laughs> right, rather than homeless sweeps, which, which, if can you explain what that is, if people don't know?
1: So the sanitation department they do um, what they describe as sanitation cleans and what organizers call sweeps, mm-hmm. and basically um a team of sanitation workers as well as LAPD um go to encampments and um you know they set up a police line in some cases um and they remove pretty much everything from the sidewalk um and there's a lot of controversy over that um the city has been sued a number of times um for, for seizing homeless people's property and destroying it mm-hmm. um and uh, I mean, I've seen sweeps where there are well-organized piles of trash that uh, homeless people are trying to get rid of, and instead of the sanitation team taking away that uh, that trash, they take away uh, you know useful supplies and and uh, things that people can't get back, and and uh, just further push them into homelessness.
0: Right, and so. I mean, this that sort of work would be the number one um, allocation of funds in the people's budget. And I think I think people are not imagining hard enough um, a world in which those those people are housed and crime goes down. And, you know, obviously, there's so much crime that happens just out of necessity um, and out of lack of mental health care. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine as someone who covers that, it's frustrating to be like, let's give more money to the people <laughs> doing sweeps rather than uh, provide, you know, allowing these vacant buildings or whatever to to have more of like a, you know, like they put it in the budget, universal aid and crisis management.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the city devotes over 30 million dollars to sweeps, And, um, you know, they're ineffective. Everyone knows that you can't just push homelessness across the street. You know, the people are going to come back. They have nowhere to go. So it's literally just a waste of money that could be spent to help people and to, you know, offer them services. And the city tried to do that through um, uh, what they called the care program, but it didn't work and it, it wasn't enough.
0: Yeah. And so that's one instance where, for example, uh, the people's budget would be incredibly useful because 44% of the budget would go towards um, what they call universal aid and crisis management. Um, well, thank you so so much. Uh, can you tell our audience where else they could find your, your writing and your work?
1: For sure. I am a regular contributor with LATaco.com local website, focus on everything from tacos, of course, <laughs> uh, to politics and everything between, you know, we're really trying to be the voice of the streets and, the heart of Los Angeles, I would say. So we really appreciate it and support.
0: Of course. And you can find out more about the People's Budget at peoplesbudgetla.com. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: So we're going to put some more resources in the show notes, um, including bail funds and um, things that you can donate to in order to Uh, Help with the people's budget and to um, help with protests and to help with other um, black activists organizing. Uh, But look, you cannot... You cannot do nothing. You can... I mean, there's so many aspects of things you can do. Even if you don't have any money, there's... I've seen things where you can just watch these YouTube videos and the AdSense gives money. Like, there's a lot of different things that you can do if you just take the time and and research... I just, I just urge you to really consider what you are prioritizing and, and really consider what you're seeing in, in mainstream media. And, and, you know, I think we need to have the optimism and the strength to imagine a much better world and not just go with, this is what it's been. This is what's legal. So this is what we accept. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to our show on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. And um, hopefully we'll do more episodes about what's going on right now. Um, Again, this is June 5th, 2020. So like I said, if you're listening to this in 2050, I hope uh, humanity still exists. This show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineer is Brendan Burns, and our audio is mixed by Andy Christens. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Also, Zach Sherwin called into the... um to the uh, LA uh, commissioner, police commissioner meeting, and uh, if you can listen back to that, I think it's on YouTube. He spoke so impassionate, impassionedly about um, police, and he uh, goes every week to um, uh, police uh, town halls. So uh, I was very proud of him. Bad with money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn, uh, and I will see you next week. And please check the show notes for more um, resources.